you know you have a powerful story? I'm Mary DeMuth, and in this podcast, I share stories of everyday people who remind you that you're not alone as you untangle your own story. Because of the outrageous generosity of God, I believe you can experience a joyful restory moment right now. Remember, the old is gone, the new awaits. The Restory Show starts now. The Restory Show, Season 4, Episode 12. Today's podcast is brought to you by two things. Jesus Every Day is my latest book. It released on December 1st, and I'm so excited about it. It's like praying through the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation. And instead of Jesus saying things to you, like you would see in a very popular book by Sarah Young, this is you saying things to Jesus. So anyway, pick up a copy if you'd like to. This is a great present for folks and uh, goes through the whole Bible, like I said. The other thing that the podcast is brought to you by is Patreon. So I just recently started this, and uh, you can go to the post at uh, marydemuth.com forward slash 4-12, and you can see how you can help sponsor for as little as a dollar a month to help with the expenses that I incur. I don't make any money by doing this podcast. I have to pay to have this podcast. And so it's super nice to have people help just a little bit for the expenses. So also, I would appreciate it if you could uh, write a little bit about the things that you're hearing on the Restory Show. If you could write a quick review on iTunes or any of those other places like Stitcher, I would so appreciate it. It just helps the Restory Show to get into the hands of more folks. And also, if you want to share your own Restory, I would love to have you on the show. You can share up to four minutes if you go to marydemuth.com and click on the little microphone icon and you can record a little story and we'll add it on to the end of one of our latest episodes. So I'd love to have you on. Also, just thank you so much for all of your support and your kindness and your kind words about the podcast. It's been really encouraging to me to hear that you're listening. And if you are listening, just let me know. It's always nice to know. So today, I am welcoming Erin Kincaid to the Restory Show, and she's got a fascinating story, and actually, she's won a Grammy Award, so that's kind of cool. I typically don't interview people with big names, but I don't think you'll recognize her name, and she has some really cool twists and turns to her story. So without further ado, here's Erin Kincaid. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Restory Show. This week, I'm really excited to have Erin Kincaid with me on the show, and she and I have known each other, I don't even know how long, a year, two years, maybe, And she came to my uh, first writing intensive in 2017 and was my star student. She was awesome. And so Erin, thank you so much for coming to the Restory Show. It's my pleasure to be here. I love this show. I love all the guests. I hope I live up to uh, (laughs) the predecessors before me. You will. So tell the, the listeners a little bit about who you are, where you grew up and your heroic origin story. So grew up in Los Angeles or right outside of Los Angeles, a family of three kids, energetic family, always going, going, going in, in every dance class and every acting class and everything. You know, we were all going to be stars, uh, <laughs> the typical childhood for most uh, California kids. They're going to be on TV someday. And then followed a boy to Nashville, um, not the one I married, followed a boy to Nashville because when LA didn't work out, I thought I'd be a country star. And so I followed a boy to Nashville. This is before I was 
you know, I was in love with the Lord and uh, that didn't work out either. I met and married my husband in Nashville and uh, we took off to Germany, landed us on the mission field in this really quirky and odd way and spent seven years overseas in Europe and birthed a child, came home, been back in Texas for about a decade and uh, just doing ministry here. I'm a Christian uh, counselor here in the small town of Roy City, and I, uh, which is outside of Dallas, for those of you who've never heard of Roy City, which is 99.9% of the population. And yeah, that's what we do. We raise our boy. I'm a homeschool mom, and I'm a counselor, and loving life, loving being married, loving being a mom. That's awesome. So, uh, so do you consider yourself a Texan now that you've been here 10 years? It's a strange thing. I, I think like a, a Californian, so I'm fast and I talk too fast and I'm always on the go. But yes, I feel like this may even sound insulting to Texans, but I feel like Texas is, even though it's big, it's conquerable because the people here are so open to, oh, you want to do that? Sure. Why not? That sounds great. <laughs> well, you might see more resistance in other parts of the world. In Texas, they're very open to let you just do your thing and have your dreams. So yeah, I, I, I am a Texan in that sense, but it's probably because I'm a mover and shaker out of LA. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. How did, uh, what made you go to Texas after Germany? That's where you went from there, right? Well, I have a tendency to follow a boy, and this time I followed my husband. He's from Texas, and he always had the dream to come back home and be near family. Okay, that makes sense. All right, so uh, what story do you want to share with the Restory Show listeners today? Well, it's not so much a story as it is – well, it is a story, of course. It's my life, but it's more this whole wild ride my entire life has been on. I have just – in fact, I'm working on a book that came out of your intensive called The Wild Ride of Aaron Kincaid because I've <laughs> always had these randomly amazing things happen, yet I'm not obviously famous. I'm not a starlet in my own life. I'm super average, super short, <laughs> but I have the most amazing things happen to me from winning the uh, European Job- Dove Award in 2001 on a whim. Like I didn't even know I was nominated uh, and ended up winning. And and I have strange things like I owned a restaurant, always had a dream to own a restaurant that was a Christian restaurant out of all things. And we've owned a major restaurant in Europe. And so all these crazy things that have happened. So it's, it's not one story. It's a collection of many stories where God has just opened up the heavens and dumped so much fun and blessing and a bit of a wild ride because it's not always fun. (laughs) All of these came with great hard work, lots of sacrifice, lots of tears sometimes. But when I look back, I think, oh my gosh, I have like a Kardashian lifestyle, but I'm so (laughs) normal (laughs) and like average income in middle America or middle Germany or wherever we were living. So That's what I thought I'd share with people, because I think there are nuggets of truth that people miss in their saying yes to God. And I I have the advantage of knowing details of your story. So why don't you start with how you really surrender to the Lord? What's that story? Okay, so I, in an odd way, met my husband. I was engaged to someone else (laughs) when I met him. (laughs) I was actually engaged to be married three weeks later. Oh, my gosh. I know, I know. And I was not saved. And I was living with this guy and in Nashville. And I met my husband. And he uh, 
he was saved and he, uh, we didn't start dating. We were just friends, but there was something so different about him that I didn't see in my own life and definitely not in my own relationship. And so I went home and within a week of meeting him and starting that friendship, we met at a music contest um, in, in Nashville. Um, we met at the Broken Spoke. That song, that actual <laughs> country song was actually where we met at the Broken Spoke Cafe. We did not blow it up in the end like she does in the video. Um, we met there, became friends, and within a week, I just knew there's something pulling inside of me that, and I obviously the something was the Holy Spirit and God working in me to say, you need to get out of this. It's not healthy. It's not good. And so I did. So I left that other person. I moved in with a girlfriend, remained friends with Will, who is my husband. And from there, he would just talk about God so naturally in such an easy way. It was such a part of him, his relationship. It wasn't fancy. He's a not a cowboy, but a bit of a country boy. And it was so ingrained in who he was that our conversations gravitated naturally in that direction. And he actually invited me to move to Europe with him, but not as husband and wife. He said, if you want to have a career, because in LA, they told me I was too country for pop. And in Nashville, they were telling me I was too pop for country. He said, if you want to have a career, you should really go to Germany or back to Europe because you sing like Melissa Etheridge, and they love that kind of raspy, like old school 1990 sound. And I think you'd do really well there. So I said, okay, why not? That sounds fun. <laughs> and as friends, we were going to go over. He had a job offer and he said, let's go over. It's super cheap to live there. You can get an apartment. And through those months of uh, waiting and him doing all of his work stuff to get ready to make his move, we fell in love and I got saved and through that relationship with him and we got married. So that all together at the same time, I actually 100% released everything in my life to the Lord, actually in Germany. We were already there. We actually married and moved there 10 days later. It was kind of a whirlwind uh, romance. I don't suggest it for anyone else. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it takes really strong people. But ended up, you know, I, I was saved before that, but then really just understood what that meant to walk with the Lord through that relationship with him and um, just seeing it so ingrained in someone else and so natural. His faith, his loyalty to the Lord, his value set. It was never, should I do this or should I do that? It was never black or white or good or bad for him. He just walks with the Lord. And so that was such an example for me. I had never really seen that before. It was more of a choice. And so it impressed upon me. I want that. I want a part of that. Well, I'm, I'm going to back up a little bit because the detail part of me is like, okay, she's going to get married in three months. Like, did you have a dress? Was there invitations? Was there a venue? Did, how did that work? Yeah, I moved with that boy. I followed that boy to Nashville. And uh, we were supposed to go back to California and his parents were taking care of the details. It was just going to be a small ceremony. My parents did not support the relationship. So um, there were only going to be a few people very uh, shotgun style wedding without the baby. <laughs> okay. Yeah, okay. So, so it was easy to pull. What well, was it easy to pull the plug? It was not a pretty day when I no. made that decision. But you know what? I will tell you a fun little story for all the writers listening to this. It was a writer who actually opened my eyes and it was um, the Dear Abby column. I'd gone home that day and she had this if your relationship has any of these things in it, if you check yes, then you need to reevaluate. It was in the newspaper. I read it. I checked all 10, handed it to my fiance and said, I've checked all 10 of these and I think we're over. And so in a weird way, a writer ended my relationship. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I feel like I have so much power now. You do. You do. <laughs> 
Okay. So, and then tell us a little bit about your, your wedding stateside 10 days prior to Germany. Yeah, that was awesome because my parents, they, we did fly out to California. My dad did, uh, my, my, sorry, my husband did ask my father and my mother for my hand in marriage and they did support it and they knew it was going to be quick and was going to be fast. And we had five months from engagement to actual marrying. And my parents, you know, my mom made decor in California and drove it across the entire United States, the Southern States to bring it to the wedding in Nashville and had a great party. And, and, uh, so that was totally supportive. We could see God working in that. That's awesome. Well, I, you know, when I, I was talking to someone recently and they were talking about a couple that got married and then immediately went on the mission field and we both agreed, this is not a good idea. We should not advise anyone to do it. But how did you weather that? Because going overseas is a crucible and, uh, that's a difficult thing to do. It is. It is very, very hard. And I love that you've said that because no one, no one should get a puppy or a child or a mission <laughs> or, or move which, to which Germany. So we did not go over as missionaries. And this is where the story, when I mentioned it was earlier that it was a quirky thing, we went over as expats for a company. But I always tell people it was God. He knew that we'd say no to the mission field. We had no place. My husband still to this day has a hard time saying I'm a missionary because he feels so unworthy of that calling. And um, we went out as expats. And the, what happened was, is God dangled this big fat carrot, like, oh, go live in your, Germany, go hike on mountains and see castles and eat Wiener schnitzel every day and drink <laughs> great beers. And so that's what we followed and this great job and all the money. And when we got there, we met up with these other missionaries that he already knew from being there the year before, they became our best friends. Still to this day, they are our very best friends. We met up with them, and it was within maybe four weeks that we just knew this was just God's way. Uh, it was trickery. <laughs> Holy Spirit <laughs> trickery. Going. And, but what happened is that company, and uh, for a lot of people, they don't understand how atheist a lot of Europe is. They think it's majority Catholic, but Germany is 80% atheist. And the company we worked with, they were all non-believers. Some people had never stepped foot inside a church, never even uttered the word Jesus before. And oddly enough, their company kept asking us, is everything going okay with the church? Is everything okay going okay with your music over here? And they would continue to let us to extend our, what was supposed to be a six month contract into a seven year contract. <laughs> and that's one of the reasons we stayed forever. And um, they continued to support it, and we met these missionaries there. And then when we got there, we realized, oh, okay, that's what we're supposed to be doing is supporting this church, building up these mission um, opportunities throughout the entire East, former East Germany area. And that's how we ended up on the mission field. It's kind of hindsight. We didn't know we were going, but we realized <laughs> it very soon after we got there. That's amazing. So, okay, you you mentioned that you had a restaurant. So how did that come about? So about three and a half years into the whole stint, I said we were there for seven years. His company, um, my husband's company that he was with, it was just time. We were basically just living off of them to do mission work and they needed to move on. And, and the whole idea was to replace the Americans that were there with German hands. And so Americans wouldn't have total control over the company. It needed to be handed over. And so we were part of that process of, of moving away from that company. We moved to the town of Magdeburg which the till of the Hun burned down in 400 uh, <laughs> AD. But anyway, we're in Magdeburg and we decided to use the platform. And for those that are not 
familiar with missionary words, we use words like platform. That means something that you'll do that may not be necessarily faith-based, but will be an open door to the community. So we decided to open this American cafe and we set it up almost like an Ikea. So we had tons of really fabulous living room settings. It looked like the open scene of Friends where they're all on the couches with the lamp, but they're in the water fountain and our restaurant was not. But we had six or seven of those situations inside this very large room that we set up as an American cafe with all these teas and coffees and bagels and American foods. And that was our platform to get people to come in. And we had all Christians and a lot of American missionaries, semester missionaries who came over and worked at that restaurant to just plant seeds. And we started doing uh, Sunday service there. We did Bible studies there multiple times a week. Um, all the games, that if we had a game night, they were all, you know, faith-based games. They weren't like this Cards Against Humanity or anything like that. <laughs> there were clean things that would show people how to have good, clean fun. We didn't serve alcohol there, which was a big shocker to the Germans. In fact, people came to see us because they didn't believe that we could have a restaurant without serving beer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we actually made it into the Deutsche Zeitung, which is the Allgemeine Zeitung is this big national newspaper. They actually did a story on us, the Americans that won't serve beer. <laughs> and um, <laughs> it was crazy. It was this great publicity. People drove from hours around to see how you could have a restaurant with no alcohol in it. And uh, yeah, we served American goods and had American style fun. And that was our platform for about three and a half years. Wow. And what kind of, can you pull out a story from there about how that affected somebody? Well, we saw people get saved there all the time. And the big, big, you know, effect that happened is that restaurant moved from its location to where the missionaries that we met and lived with in Aschersleben, in that first town, they moved to Magdeburg and they spotted an old East German movie theater, which back in East German DDR time used to show propaganda films against obviously Western ideas and mainly against American ideas. And it was called the Scala, which oddly enough means the rock in Italian. Hmm. I don't know why it's called the Scala, which is an Italian name in Germany, but maybe that was their, you know, Mussolini connection. Hmm. And we found this building and originally it was 800,000 euros and totally out of the budget. I mean, there was no money for that. And over a series of months, that price dropped down to 100,000 euros. Oh, wow. And it was purchased by the church that had come out of our cafe. Uh, we, we grew a whole church right out of those grounds and um, coffee grounds and actual cafe grounds. And that church was purchased and we moved the cafe into this old movie theater and where propaganda against Western ideas and against Christianity was once shown. Now to this day, there are still Christian films shown. There's still a cafe that meets regularly. There are regular church services there, a thriving community, a thriving church. So not just one, but an entire strong church in a major Metroplex area thrives to this day. And that was you know, when you look back, because the cafe was not easy, it was a lot of money. And we uh, came back to America with very little money in our pocket. Um, if I told you how little, it's worth a story. And rebuilt our lives here, not on the mission field, just doing ministry, but still taking a normal income from regular jobs. But we look back on what happened in Germany and we think, wow, that restaurant, an American restaurant with a bunch of crazy American college students running around serving coffee 
has planted a thriving community. And out of that church, other churches have popped up and other churches that were not as strong before that didn't have the community that they needed. A lot of people have moved away from Magdeburg, away from the Scala to do church work in their, their towns that they came from, or they've gone back to their communities where they, um, like if they, maybe they were there for university, they've gone back to their hometowns as preachers themselves and as missionaries in their own right, thriving in their own communities and building up churches. So it was a very strawberry patch uh, effect, but the the cafe was the biggest little strawberry bunch of it all. I like that, the strawberry patch, because I, I have yeah. strawberries and the runners fly out and they make new plants. And I love that. Yeah, exactly. That's missionary world right there. Yep. So what caused you to go home and how was you kind of alluded to this, the fact that you had very little money? How did that work? How did the transition go for you? So what I haven't told anybody about this entire time is that I actually ended up doing Christian music in Germany. I do not share this part very often with people, but I actually had a thriving career as a Christian musician, Christian singer in Germany, and uh, cut a few albums that are still roaming around. I here. will have to be, I will need one of those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so send and, that my uh, way. Oh, okay, I'll, I'll get you, find you an old copy somewhere. So what happened was that I was traveling quite a bit and touring, and my husband and I, he's a great musician in his own right and uh, a guitarist, and he and I started out doing it together, but then that morphed into my own career and my own band and a label that I was working with and was traveling quite a bit and then had my child. And I cut my second album, and I wanted to do this cool, like, homage to Mariah Carey thing where she went behind scenes in this one video that I saw, and she took all these pictures, went in the studio, and made a whole video out of it. And I thought, oh, I want to do that. I want to show people what it's like to be a Christian singer in in on the mission field, but in a non-Christian place. And I wanted shots done on the field and on the stage and behind the scenes, and in every single shot – I had a baby on my hip. There was like a diaper bag in the back. <laughs> there, I was nursing. One at one scene, I'm literally on a microphone uh, and nursing <laughs> in the middle of the, the photographer caught every moment. <laughs> and I, something stirred inside me, and I thought, "This is my dream. It's not my child's dream. It's not what he signed up for to be dragged along." And so it was time to go home and give him a chance to be American. And to learn what it means to be a Christian American. So then maybe he can go back out in the world. So we just talked and decided it was time to go home now that we had a child. And uh, it's crazy because we thought we'd go to football games and he'd go to homecoming and proms. And now we homeschool and we just bought a home back in Germany. And my child wants to live in Europe. <laughs> so like we brought him home to learn all this Americanism. And he's so global. It's ridiculous. I hear you. Tell us a story about this house that you got in Germany, because I know that's a crazy story. Yeah, that's another one of those say yes to God. So my best friend um, in the whole wide world, in the Gunzewelt, is German. Her name is Jacqueline, and we have been friends. She actually lived with us um, in Germany, and her life has been one of those saying yes to God all the time moments because she lived with us when she got out of a really unhealthy relationship. And then she's our, both of our best friend, both my husband and I are, we're all three just best friends together. And she came over for a visit to bring her stepdaughter to Germany last year so that she could perfect her English while living with us. And so she stayed with us for a few months. 
But while she was dropping her off, she stayed for a couple of weeks and we started talking about her dad. I asked how he was and she said, oh, he's great. He bought a foreclosure. It's not really the same as your foreclosure in um, America, but it's along the same lines. And I said, well, what's a foreclosure go for in Germany? And when she told me what he bought his for, my jaw dropped open. I turned to my husband who was in the room and he said, just just go find one. It's obvious that you've never lost your obsession with this country and your love for it. In fact, it's grown more. And um, he said, just go find one. We'll do it. And what happened was we he bought a house, a foreclosure for 25,000 euros, which is about with the exchange rate today, 29, 28,000. Yeah, US not dollars. much more. Yeah, not much more at all. And, at, and when we bought it, the exchange rate was super low. So we got an even better deal. So I got right on to a German real estate website and looked at about 12 houses. But the very first one I found was in the town of Wasserleben, which means water life. And right there, when I saw the the name, I was like, this is it. This is the house in Wasserleben. How much you know, godlier can you get? And we found this. It's an old 140-year-old half-timber style home with a barn and an apple orchard. And it has a water canal that literally you open up the back door and it runs through the house. Like literally <laughs> you could stick your feet in it, do your wash in it if you wanted to. And I'll just tell people for fun. And I don't think you'll find this deal again if you go looking, but you know, more power to you if you do. So we found it, it was 15,000 euros. And so we just said yes. And when Jacqueline flew home, she went to meet with the real estate agent, looked at it with some friends of ours and, uh, she talked him down to 10. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So we bought this house in Germany for 11,444 US dollars. And from that moment, from the moment I saw the word Wasserleben and my husband said, yes, let's do it. I knew right then and there, it's really not our home. It's just our bill. <laughs> we just have to renovate it and fix it. It is God's home. And I know he's going to use it as a place of respite for people who need healing and missionary teams to go and for people to work and just to go and maybe, you know, go write that great American novel or that piece de resistance that needs to be painted. That's the kind of thing that this home is going to end up doing for people throughout the world. So that's, that's the quick of it. And you were there this last summer with your son and I think his friend, is that right? Yes, we, he took his best friend along with us, and uh, they're only 13 and 14, so that's a kind of a remarkable moment. And that was a friend who also said yes to God, and that was a big moment because her son had never left the United States before. I don't even know that he had ever flown before. Maybe if he'd oh, flown, wow. it was only one trip. And she allowed me to take her son for two months overseas to a foreign country. Um, my son speaks German because we learn it at home as part of our homeschooling curriculum, but he did not. And um, I, I took two boys over there and they returned good Christian men. They really grew. And the, we we uh, ripped up old 140-year-old flooring and relayed it in the traditional manner using the original tools of the farmer. We found them all and, and we actually used the old picks and his hammers and things like that to relay wood flooring. And we found old an old oven that had been covered up with this clay and we opened that up and we we just took off all this 1970s, 1960s style decor and found the original home, original prints on the wall, hand painted wall paintings from, you know, middle 1800s. And uh, yeah, it, it's really remarkable. I can't wait for people to be blessed by it. So how much more work do you have to do on that one? Oh, it's going to be about a year. And that's with money. That's if all the money comes through. And I, I'm 
you know, letting God do his thing there, <laughs> trying not to be impatient. But um, as the money comes through, then we'll be able to, we have all the pieces in place. All the workers that we need are in place. They know the house and and they know what they need to do. As soon as the money comes in and we've got those funds, then each project, got to put on a new roof. The roof is the original tiles and <laughs> the half timbered. So we have some what's called Holtzworm and those that don't know what that is. It's this tiny little silkworm that gets in. I was going to say it has worms, wood. right? Yeah. 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 And we have to have some wood repaired, but, and take it back to the original strength of the home. But yeah, it's pretty remarkable. One of those say yes to God things. All right, Restory listeners, if you want to go to Germany, just uh, message Erin. I'll have her link in the show notes. So uh, if you'd like to help, I mean, that would be great. So I'm sure Erin has a link of funding and we can share that in the show notes as well. Well, um, so let's give me a statement or or kind of um, how what you've learned over the years of saying yes to God. What is the benefit of that and what is the terror of that? Well, and I probably should reverse it because I don't say yes as much as I just don't say no. I don't know if that makes sense. (laughs) And and probably makes sense through my counselor eyes. So I'm a biblical counselor and I see a lot of people who come and sit on my couch and shed tears and ache and, and hurt and look at their lives simply because they've said no to God so many times. He's laid out a path. He's shown them what he should do. He's given them truth. I don't see people who aren't believers. I'd have a very, you know, specific way that I counsel. And so most everyone that comes through understands where to go for God's wisdom. They know the Bible and things like that. But yet they sit on the couch with all these troubles in hand because they've simply said no. And they say no from that's too hard. Maybe even sublim, you know, they don't even realize that they're subliminally saying no, but they're saying no, that's too hard or God's way is, you know, that can't be what he wants for us in our modern life. He, it's okay for us to do these things because, you know, times have changed. And so they say no to God's perfect plan for us, no to God's boundaries and his protection around us, no to his, because everything that has happened to me has happened because I was walking or living all prayed up as my good Christian missionary friends used to say, living all prayed up. But simply because I was walking in God's will, these other doors would open. It wasn't like the heavens opened and all this magic fell down that I was able to say, oh, I'm going to run after this. But it was because I had followed these tiny little steps along the way. Okay, yes, God, I will do Christian music for no money. In the beginning, nobody in an atheist country wants to hear an American woman in a language they don't understand singing about a God they've never heard about. Um, and so it was really, really hard. And nobody wanted to pay me. You know, there was there, these churches were desperate for anything to draw people in. So we went and just did it for free and for love offerings if and when they had it. And so saying yes to that. And then from there, saying yes to going to do this gospel project across the country, go sing a little riff on a gospel project. And that opened up another door. And then from there, it was, um, you know, we'd like to see you sing a song on this collaborative album that someone's trying to do to use as a missionary tool. So you say yes to that. And so it just grew and grew and grew. And so all of, and it was because I didn't say no, I would open up a door and I would say, okay, let's give it a try. And why not? And that hasn't always went well. The the restaurant was a huge struggle at times because we tried to use all German labor. And it's very, very expensive to own a company of any sort or a business of any sort in Germany. Taxes are exorbitant. But we said we didn't say no. We tried it and, and we had major financial issues with it in the beginning until God showed us the plan that he had to bring us uh 
literally free labor <laughs> from all the missionaries that joined us, but we didn't say no and we didn't shut the doors. And there were times we should have shut the doors on that. And we were surrounded by people in our missionary team that they also didn't say no to God. They also went in, you know, full, all hands went in, everybody worked, everybody put money in it, everybody supported. So it was just a constant, okay, I don't see how this is going to work out. I don't see you in this, but I am not walking away and I'm not going to say no to you and find my own way to make it better or to make it easier. So to answer in a very long way, your very short question, I just look at my life every single day and it's very, very seldom that I say no. When I say no to people all the time because I have to protect my family and our time to make sure I'm doing the right thing. But it is very seldom that when God nudges me that I say no to him. I usually go through every door and let the let the dice fall where they may and let him work it out, whether it's good or bad, whatever his plans are. I love that. And I think that's pretty sim- similar to what my last two questions are. First one is, what kind of advice would you give to someone who's going through something similar where they're facing that yes or that no? So I'll, I'll ask that one first. You know, the Bible tells us that, you know, man has his own desires and his own wishes, but God directs our paths. And if you believe the word, then when you're making that decision, I don't, and he's never going to leave us. He goes before, he goes beside, he goes behind. He's always with us. So even if you make the wrong decision, you know, we didn't make any money off that cafe at all. And to this day, it is just a platform. They don't make any money. They don't pay the rent for the church from the cafe, but it was a, okay, we'll do this and we'll go with it. And we just keep going with it until God says, don't go with it anymore till he's given you a new message. And um, what was it? I heard a, the daughter of a missionary, uh, our missionary friend said to me once, there was what, 50 years between the time that, you know, there's like 50 years from hearing the directive and hearing from God again. That's a mass amount of time to sit around still making a boat and working on getting all those animals together. But that has always stayed with me. So I think, first of all, you don't go, you don't go with anything else until you get a new message. And I just have faith that if, if I have two decisions and I don't know which one is God's will, it's, um, you know, I don't know if it lines up or maybe they both line up in the Bible and I can't see sin or I can't see problems in either one. I'm just going to pick which one I think fits best. And I'm going to trust that he will not leave me and he will not let me go, even if it fails. And it's okay. And you've said this before, Mary, about, you know, this fear of failure that we can't see God in it um, here in the States, that if we don't, we don't succeed in ministry, then it must not be God's will. Well, that's just baloney. I can see God working in so much of my failure, probably more than in my successes, because um, those tears, my own tears, other people's pain, the lessons we learned, you know, the, the failure and the struggles that we had the first year of the restaurant have helped me help other business owners so many times where they've they've been successful, but they came to me because they knew what we did wrong <laughs> and they knew that we had such a hard time. So I say, Pick one and go with it and and stop worrying. Just move. And if God doesn't want you there, he'll shut it down. I trust him enough that he'll do that. I and mean, you should too. That's good. And so um, you've kind of answered this as well, but how has God restoried you in the past year? Well, actually, I'm going through kind of a funk. I don't know if people can tell in my upbeat, speed-talking manner. I don't really suffer from depression. I've never felt depression before. I don't struggle with a general sense of sadness. Um, probably manically happy in a very weird way. <laughs> Um, and, and that that came from getting saved. I've just been on a high ever since I got saved all those years ago, and it's really never changed. But this last year, 
I have felt a general glumness about just trying, not even so much trying to figure stuff out, just a heavy weight on me. And I don't know if this is the precursor to the next level of maturity in my faith. I'm thinking that's what may be going on, that this um, introspective time, this glumness has slowed me down. And so I'm more introspective. I sit in your Jesus Everyday book a lot longer than I would have a year ago, a lot longer, like an hour to an hour and a half a day. I make time with the Lord every morning to the point where I am literally saying no to appointments and other stuff just so I can have that time. And so my restoring has gone from being crazy, go, 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 to super simplified, lots of mass amounts of time with the Lord. And mainly because I'm a, a a counselor too. So I need to make sure I have that, that, that mindset and that I'm ready every day to, to work with people and to be ready there. But I think that saying yes to God in the sense that I'm making copious amounts of time for him and with him is taking me to a new maturity level in my faith that I haven't yet gotten to the end of. I'm smack dab in the middle. And so also learning how to deal with a general glumness and not so much sad. I can't put my finger on it, but just feeling like there's a little bit of gray around everything right now. Maybe a little cynical. I'm a little cynical too. Which is really crazy because I went to Germany for eight weeks and lived in my dreamland, building my dream home. And, but I, the whole time I was there, I had this, this grayness about me. So my, Restory with that is a lot of people medicate themselves out of that. A lot of, and they should if it's serious depression. Mm-hmm. Minus, so let me preface that because I absolutely believe medication when when it's needed. But in my case, I think a lot of people, God's trying to let you feel something that feels uncomfortable and maybe a little darker than you're used to because He's trying to show you things. He's trying to go to a new level with you, and we often self-medicate through alcohol or through eating or even over-exercising or anything that takes you away from just being with him because you're afraid of how that feels. And I'm trying to not be afraid of how this feels. And some days are really awesome and they go on for, you know, a couple of weeks and then I have a week of just bleh. So that is part of my story is learning to walk in that because I know there are other women and men who feel like this, who go just to the world for their answers and God's word has already given us um, the answers on how to get through even this glumness that we carry. I'm also 42, so maybe it's just the 42 blues. <laughs> but I think that that's what's going on right now is learning to even in the down times, walk with him and not say no. I love that. I think that's going to be really instructive for people because, um, you know, I went through my, I had a couple pretty major setbacks this year. And my first, <laughs> I've joked about it in my newsletters, my first uh, jump was to homemade checks Mix. And so <laughs> pretty much people will know if I'm going through stress, if I'm downing the checks Mix by the cup. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, to learn to understand the why of the checks Mix and, and mm-hmm. why we run to those things. And I know whenever I have time with the Lord quietly, my perspective changes. Like, But we live in such a crazy world that we forget about that. And so I really like what you had to say there. Well, good. I'm hoping it helps somebody. I'm hoping that, and once again, I just want to make sure people understand, if you need to see a doctor, go totally. see a doctor. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely get help because, because God gave those people the skills to do what they need to do. But sometimes we just need to be introspective. And there's so much depression in the Bible. There's so much sadness that that these people have gone through and these um, warriors ahead of us, the characters of the Bible, and that we can learn from their lives. And so I would say 
I'm really sinking into the word too, in a new way, really digging in um, and, and, and trying to understand those individuals as human beings and not just stories, really trying to put faces and feelings and processes, what they would have gone through and scenarios they may have been in to what I'm going through so that I have an understanding of how God carried them through. So that's another instructive piece that, that I'm doing for self-application to help carry myself through this. I love that. And I, I thank you so much for being on the Restory Show and for saying yes to God and for inspiring the rest of us to continue to say yes. That's my word for the year. And uh-huh. that just took me to Mexico and back. And so I I'm, know. It's, that's awesome. It's so cool. On your whirlwind 45 day tour, I think, oh my right? Gosh, yes. It's crazy. All right. Well, thank you so much, Erin, for sharing your story. Absolutely. It's been a joy. You know, I love you, Mary. And uh, thank you so much for Jesus Every Day. I'm doing a shameless plug. I don't (laughs) care because it really is brilliant, brilliant. I'm just so excited and I can't wait for people to read it. And those of you who you can pre-order it on Amazon, I've already done that. (laughs) And um, you're going to want to because it's going to be in second print before you know it. Awesome. Well, that was very unsolicited, but appreciated. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Thank you, Mary. Love you. Thanks for listening to The Restory Show. Do you mind if I pray for you? Lord, I do pray for those who are choosing you in the small things. They're doing the next obedient thing. They are hearing your voice and acting, and maybe they're not experiencing the same kinds of things that Aaron experienced. But I'm just so grateful that you're going to lead people as you lead them. I pray this week there will be some breakthrough that you would show my listener that you see them, that you know them, and that you're well acquainted with their giftings and that you are going to open the doors that only you can open and shut the doors that only you can shut. So help us all to be really patient with your process because sometimes we want things now and that may not be the best thing for your kingdom. So help us to submit to what you have for us this week. So if you'd like more information about today's show, oops, I forgot to say amen. Amen. If you'd like more information about today, today's show, head on over to marydemuth.com forward slash four dash one two, and may you live a brand new story 